Excitement is at an all-time high for Memphis football after the most memorable weekend in program history, and Penny Hardaway's squad has the city buzzing. We are two weeks away from the early signing period for basketball. If you are a diehard Memphis fan and want to be a part of the most loyal Memphis Tigers online community, now is the time to sign up for VIP. We will make that decision simple. Join now and get two months for only $1. That's right, get two months for a buck. That gets you through the remainder of the regular season for Tigers football, the early signing period for college basketball, and right into 2020. You will also get access to CBS All Access. Stream over 10,000 episodes, All Access Originals, and live TV, including NFL on CBS and SEC Game of the Week. This promotion ends Tuesday, November 12th at 11.59 p.m. This offer is only available for new members. Now, let's get to the interview. Welcome to Tigers in 20 Off the Boards, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast hosted by lead writer Christian Fowler, where he brings you the latest interviews with players, top recruits, coaches, and more in both football and basketball across the city of Memphis and around the nation. Here is your host, Christian Fowler. Welcome back to Go Tigers 247, Tigers and 20 off the boards. I'm Kenny Stubblefield, the digital content creator for Go Tigers 247. Today we're joined by Richard Johnson, an attorney from Cleveland, Ohio, who was the plaintiff's counsel for the first college athlete lawsuit against the NCAA to ever get to trial and win. Mr. Johnson joined us today to speak on the James Wiseman versus NCAA case and share his thoughts on the validity of the case and what Memphis fans can expect the end result to be. Mr. Johnson, thank you so much for joining us today on Go Tigers 247, Tigers and 20. Um, so your biography um, has um, your credentials as a college athlete's rights lawyer. Um, how did you get into this field and and what's your history in uh, protecting the rights of, of student athletes? Uh, well, I got back, I got into it uh, in, in 08 uh, when I was approached by an Oklahoma State uh, baseball player who had been uh, suspended by Oklahoma State for having a lawyer. Um, and uh, he was ranked eighth in the country at the time, and Oklahoma State was ranked fifth. And they suspended him the night before the, the um, regional uh, tournament, and uh, he was their main pitcher, and they didn't have a lot of depth. And the team should have gone to the College World Series, and they didn't because uh, the kid wasn't playing. And then... Uh, uh, the case got referred to me because the the, the problem had arisen uh, as, as a um, uh, the kid had, had uh, terminated his attorneys and hired new attorneys, and the old attorneys on their law firm letter had had turned in um, the kid's name was Andy Oliver uh, to the NCA on illegal stationery and and alleged made all sorts of false allegations against them. Uh, against him, and uh, the NSA determined all the allegations were false, but determined that his attorney had been present when the Minnesota Twins offered him uh, a um, uh, a signing bonus uh, out of high school. And as you know, baseball players can be drafted out of high school, and then after their junior year of college, if it's a four-year college. Um, so uh, it started as a legal malpractice case, and, and my main area of practice is legal ethics and professional responsibility and what I do primarily is sue attorneys and sports agents who are typically attorneys um, for malpractice. So it came to me because the lawyers had turned them into the NCA 
and the one lawyer was uninsured and the other was barely insured and we got what we could but then uh, the dad said what are you going to do about the NCA and I stupidly said what do you mean what am I going to do and thus began a year and a half of my life of fighting the NCA um, because I, I knew what it stood for but I didn't know really anything about it and uh, uh, it, it ended up uh, being that we were the first ones, the first college athlete to ever get to trial against the NCA. Uh, needless to say, if nobody got to trial, nobody won before. We won, and we had two of their bylaws permanently enjoined. Um, everybody thought we'd lose, and we won. And you know, it was it was covered by the New York Times uh, and, and the national media a, a great deal. And uh, I'm a fighter, and everybody said you can't win. And that's about all you got to say to me <laughs> to rev me up. So, um, yeah, and, and that, you know, once I spent so much time with them and, and did depositions of the vice presidents at, in Indianapolis and saw what these people were about, um, it, it just, I, I've never, uh, this is my 30th year of practicing law, um, so this is 10 years ago, but I, I, I was so insulted constantly by these people, personally, professionally. Um, I'd never been treated that way, and I've never felt a degree of, uh, of uh, disrespect uh, ever uh, like I did there. And, um, and so I, I, I had a couple other cases, in, uh, sports cases, where, where the college athletes' rights were at issue, generally right to counsel. Um, and... Uh, um, and then I just started writing on these topics and, and started meeting the professors that teach these things and, and uh, you know, kind of, you know, that's, it's, it's kind of an intellectual hobby um, and, and a part-time practice. Every now and then I sue a sports agent. Um, every now and then I have a beef with the NCA, but, you know, it's not my primary thing, but it's something that I'm, is very close to my heart because, the, the, it's, young people have almost no access to legal counsel, and um, and the the uh, the uh, area of college athletes are not seen as a minority population that needs sympathy. So how the, how these people are treated on campus, we're we're now starting to see you know from concussion stuff from. From how uh, you know the dehydration situation in, in uh, Maryland, um, you know uh, what, ha what happened at Mizzou with with the race issues. You're starting to see that that, and I think the public's starting to see that the way college athletes are treated in ac across the board, from from player safety, player rights. You know, at, at Ohio State, you know they they. They monitor their texts and their social media. I mean, these are all First Amendment violations by a public university. I mean, the the, the way these people are treated is is uh, is really revulsive, and 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 uh, um, and I think people are starting to understand that. Uh, it's kind of a windy answer, but. <laughs> Well, you you last night you uh, posted a Twitter thread that set Memphis on fire, um, and and I think your Twitter mentions and follows have have uh, shown that to be the case. Uh, but there's a, a few things that I wanted to walk through with you. 
um, about some of the things that you mentioned in that Twitter thread. Um, but one in particular, at the very end, you said something that I thought was very interesting, and I wanted you to um, kind of explain this a little, or uh, go into more detail. But you stated that that what President Rudd and um, Athletic Director Veach are doing is courageous. Um, why are their actions courageous in your mind? Because um, the NSA is a huge bully, and uh, they essentially demand compliance from uh, the presidents and the ADs, and if they don't get it, they retaliate. Um, an example would be uh, even after we got an injunction in Andy Oliver's case to allow Andy to play, the president of Oklahoma State University still had to make the decision to play him, and he was lobbied by the NSA not to play him, and uh, he decided to do the right thing and play him. And the next year he's dragged into Indianapolis uh, regarding something to do with the football program. I mean, physically dragged to Indianapolis to, to pay homage and bow on his knees and beg forgiveness to, to, to basically teach him who's, who's in charge here, who's the boss. Um, and, and college presidents know this. Um, and, and they know that the NSA, I mean, the NSA is the only nonprofit in this country that spends tens of millions a year suing its members and its athletes. I mean, and, and we allow this. It, 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 it is uh, not a little threat that they use. They, they, they have a huge budget and a huge budget for, for lawyers. Um, and and why, why we allow a nonprofit to do that, I don't know. But, uh, but in terms of you know, if you think about uh, how hard it is, you know, take an athletic director, for instance, at, at Memphis, you've got X number of programs. You, you employ so many compliance officers. You do your best to do all the forms and everything. But there's, there's always going to be mistakes. There's always going to be things that, that fall through the cracks. And Indianapolis has discretion as to what they do. So everybody knows that the enforcement is selective, because um, they only have, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 investigators um, for 1,200 members. So they, they, they never go in and audit a program. Um, they, 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 they only investigate stuff that falls in their lap. But if you're one of the schools they want to get, then if something falls in their lap about you, then they're going to go after you. And then they'll start investigating other things. So I think especially an athletic director position is terrified uh, you know their job basically is is to run an efficient operation, follow the rules, and keep the NSA out of the building uh, to the extent possible. And and if and if a major investigation is started, that AD likely isn't going to survive. So so picking a fight with the NCA, telling the NCA you're going to stand up for the player and not follow the NCA's uh, edict is heresy to them. They they can't even comprehend that an athletic director would do that. They cannot comprehend that the president of a, of a university would stand up and say, you're wrong, I'm right, I can prove it, and a bunch of little bureaucrats in Indianapolis aren't, you know, who don't have PhDs like Dr. Rudd does aren't going to tell him how to read English. I mean, the, 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 the way you read these rules is, is not very hard to read them. Uh, and and uh, you have to remember that all of these so-called interpretations and decisions that are being made in Indianapolis at NCA headquarters are somebody in a cubicle. I mean, I've been there. I've seen this. I mean, you're, you're talking, you know, the department of whatever at the NCA is 
a couple cubicles with a couple of poorly trained people. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, people would be shocked at, at how unprofessional their organization is um, as they go around demanding, you know, exact, exact, exactitude from everybody else. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. So one of the most confusing parts of the lawsuit um, that I know you've seen, that we've seen, that we did an article on kind of breaking it down, was that this idea that the Tigers went through a clearance procedure with the NCAA from January of 2019 to May of 2019 uh, with James Wiseman and the NCAA, where they disclosed all of the relevant information. Uh, the idea that Coach Hardaway's donation to the university in 2008 um, his helping James and his mother move to Memphis in 2017. The confusing part is that the NCAA cleared James in May, um, but on October 31st, they sent a letter to the U of M, to the University of Memphis, notifying them of their mistake in clearing him. Uh, what is your interpretation of, of that development? Uh, in- interpretation or speculation? <laughs> I mean, <yeah>. Speculation. <laughs> Oh, speculation would be somebody at UK complained, um, and UK wanted the player and didn't get it, and so now uh, why why aren't you going after them? Why are you letting the kid uh, have some sort of extra benefit? And why you know why aren't you doing something about this? I mean, the NCAA just didn't change their mind for no reason. Somebody came in internally and told them to change their mind. Okay, they, they, there's no process for the once the NCAA clears somebody. There's no process for them to re-examine it. That, that file is closed. So the only way it gets reopened is if somebody affirmatively reopens it. And that means somebody had to interfere and intervene, period. And, and you know, if, if, if it gets that far, you'll find that that's what happened. Now, whether it's 
University of Kentucky or some other competitor, or it's an aggrieved uh, coach who didn't get hired at Memphis, or you know who knows who it is that complained. But somebody with access got that case reopened. There's there's no other way to have it reopened. Uh, based on that 2008 donation to the University of Memphis, the NCAA has declared Coach Hardaway a booster. Um, in your Twitter thread, you stated that without a threshold and duration, there is no enforceable definition. Um, can you explain uh, that in greater detail to help clear up this idea of Coach Hardaway being a booster? Well, yes, but but that's that's part B of the definition. Part A is he has to give money uh, to the athletic department or the athletic boosters. And the, the, the description and definition is written very broadly. But what it's meant, the, the, and, and they don't use the term booster, but this is the booster rule. So, you know, if it's the Memphis Tigers Booster Club, uh, you know, uh, that's what they're after. They aren't after a philanthropist who's giving a seven-figure sum to the university. Um, so so the, the, what they're trying to get to is, is people who, at the behest of the athletic department, um, meaning at the behest of the athletic director, are going out and trying to do what the athletic department cannot do on their own. That's the concept. Um, that's, what a, that's what a booster is. Um, there, so not only did he not give money to, to a booster club, he didn't give money to the athletic department, which itself is impossible. The athletic department is not a legal entity. The university is a, is a legal entity, and it's not listed there. Um, his donation was t- tax deductible as a charitable donation to a 501c3 uh, tax exempt organization, i.e., the University of Memphis. So he he never falls into the definition of a booster. However, if you were to uh, to uh, say, okay, for the sake of argument, let's just assume he's a booster. When does he stop being a booster? Well, the, the definition is both defined in Chapter 6 and Chapter 13 of the NSA rulebook, which is, a, is as big as a phone book, if people know what those are anymore. Um, it, it weighs several pounds. It's gigantic. Um, uh, in, in Chapter 6, the duration is that, that the status is presumed, period. And, and in Chapter 13, the status is indefinite. Apparently now the NCAA is claiming that it's in perpetuity. Um, whether it's presumed, uh, and, and that's just false. There's no such thing as in perpetuity. But uh, you know, what does it mean uh, to be? Uh, you know, we're assuming for the sake of argument he's a booster. But wh- where does the definition fall? If you give a dollar to uh, the athletic department, uh, at, uh, you know, in addition to your tick, you know, let's say you were uh, buying your tickets, and, and instead of paying ten dollars, you paid eleven dollars, and you said keep keep the dollar and put it in the fund for, uh, you know, some jar on the counter that was to benefit something uh, related to athletics. Um, you, you would technically be a booster. Um, the the rule is never meant to label small contributions uh, unrelated to recruiting uh, as as boosterism, but the way it's written. Anybody who gives a dollar uh, to the university is a booster. Um, 
that that can't be correct, and it isn't correct, and no judge will say it's correct. Um, and, and and what happens, you know, as a lawyer, when you're drafting a clause, you're, you you both try to draft it as broadly as you can, so you capture every every all the conduct you want to, but then you have to be careful not to over uh, be over inclusive, because when you do that, you 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 capture uh, everything. So it's like a fishing boat trawling for fish, and they capture dolphins. Well, they don't want to kill the dolphins, uh, so they've got to have you know release mechanisms in the nets so the dolphins can get out. Um, they don't have it. The way this thing's written, um, it, either everybody who's given money to the university is a booster, and under their idea that would last forever, or under a reasonable interpretation, he, he's not a booster. But if he is, if if he gave money in '08, uh, how long? Does that booster label last? And uh, and that's not stated. There's no standard there to decide that. And there's also no list because the, the rule requires that the person be designated as a booster. And the university never designated them as a booster. Now, that might theoretically be a violation by the university if they were supposed to, except I don't think they were supposed to. Um, but at least in theory... Uh, you know, let's say somebody gave you ten thousand dollars in a year, and at, and the next four years they don't give you anything. At some point, everybody realizes you're not giving money anymore. Um, at some point, everybody realizes you're no longer a booster. That's just common sense. So, what 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 is the standard here? And there are no standards um, when when you have a contractual provision like this, and these rules are contracts between the NSA and in this case, University of Memphis, any ambiguities um, are, are resolved in favor of the university and against the NCA because the NCA drafted the contract. Um, so that's how a court interprets this. So, you know, if, if, even if he was a booster, what is what is the evidence that he's still a booster in, in uh, 2017? And I think that's when, when the money was given to the mom. And, and the and the answer to that is none, and uh, I I can't imagine a judge saying, oh, you're still a booster all these years later, you know, I I don't think a judge will say he was a booster to begin with, um, so uh, you know, build, building a hall of fame doesn't help recruit students, it it rewards alumni, you know, this this is the the coach is a wealthy alumni, and he and he's doing something that benefits alumni, uh, doesn't benefit recruiting whatsoever. So, um. Mr. Johnson, thank you so much for taking the time to um, join us today, and um, I really appreciate your insight and input. I have two more questions for you, and um, and, and then I'll let you go. But uh, you mentioned in your tweet thread that that James, uh, Coach Hardaway, and the University of Memphis have actionable claims against the NCAA for breach of contract and tortious interference with contract. Um, can you explain? Um, the breach of contract and tortious interference. I know those are two separate things, but could you explain what you mean by that? Well, a, a, the contract is between the uh, university and the NCA, and the coach and the players are what we call third-party beneficiaries to that contract. Contracts impose a duty of good faith and fair dealing between the parties, and that duty extends to third-party beneficiaries. And when people act in bad faith, 
that is the opposite of good faith and fair dealing. So you you have situations like uh, with with uh, um, with James uh, where uh, they're you know basically doing the the Lucy and and uh, uh, um, uh, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown, <laughs> the Lucy and Charlie Brown scenario where where you know don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, pull the rug out. Um, that's bad faith. Uh, you 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 can't say, uh, hey, you're approved. Then say, hey, we shouldn't have approved you, but uh, we're going to live with what we promised you. And then uh, months later say, ah, nope, all the things have changed. Uh, that's bad faith. And then there's further bad faith because there's no mechanism at the NCA to, to reopen these things. Once they've made a decision that you're eligible, unless unless somebody were to come up with additional facts, there's no there's no way to reopen the case. So somebody had to have interfered with that to cause that to happen. Uh, what that is, we don't know, uh, but something happened, and it's and it's not a good thing. It's a nefarious thing. Um, with, uh, with with interference, you know, by by falsely labeling the coach as a, as a uh, booster and trying to you know you know implicitly. Uh, you know, damage his career with the University of uh, of Memphis. Um, that's an interference with with his contract with the university, and it also constitutes bad faith. Um, so those are just you know two two ways that that the obligations um, arise and and that uh, predicate um, remedies. And and without remedies, without without the NCAA getting sued, and, and not just getting sued, but held up to real damages. So here you have a star athlete who, if he's as good as they say he is, he might have a you know half billion to billion dollar market value over his career, and they're trying to tarnish that. Uh, he, he, he could get quite a big verdict from a jury in Memphis uh, if they thought he was being wronged. His mother could get quite a big verdict if they thought the NCAA stuck their nose into her business which they had no right to do. Um, you know, it, how, how would you like to be this poor lady who, you know, did the best for her children and, uh, you know, uh, couldn't afford to move and got some financial help, and now it's being battered around everywhere. I mean, being a single mother and raising your, your children is hard enough. Uh, you don't need this kind of stuff. It's just awful behavior. And I think that will resonate with a jury. Uh, you, you get the NSA in Memphis in front of a jury, and they'll clabber them. So, in your experience uh, with the NCAA, um, you've detailed quite a few interactions that you've had with them um, in courtrooms and uh, places like that. What, where do you see this case going? What do you see the end result being? Well, it depends. You know, the. You know, there's a hearing set for this. Uh, you know, if, if we just care about saving James, what, whether the case should or shouldn't have been filed, because I'm not sure it needed to be filed, uh, if if they weren't going to suspend uh, James, meaning the, the university. But let's say they filed it, you know, as cover for the university. They just have to protect James through, you know, April or thereabouts, and, and he'll be fine. Um, but, you know, the coach and the university may face consequences down the line, and uh, the university and the coach may have to sue the NCA and, and you know, on these same principles uh, to teach them a lesson. 
Um, I, I hope long term, uh, we, we have a very unusual situation with the president and the athletic director supporting the coach and the player, and we don't see that enough. Uh, we, we, we hardly ever see it. Um, and I hope this is uh, just like there seems to be a new awakening uh, across the country about college athlete rights. I hope uh, presidents and athletic directors start thinking about uh, the fact that, that uh, eligibility sits on their desk first. They're, they're responsible for this. They have the right to make the decisions, and they have the right not to be harassed and, and intimidated by the NCA. The NCA exists to serve them. They don't exist to serve the NCA. And if more university presidents start standing up, when they, if they see this as an example of we can stand up on principle, prove we're right, and and uh, and survive, uh, may, maybe the membership will take the NCA back from itself. If that if that makes sense, so to speak. Mr. Johnson, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it and just for enlightening us on your experiences with the NCAA and specifically this case with James Wiseman um, uh, going against the NCAA um, for his own uh, eligibility. So thank you so much, and I hope you have a good day. Thank you for having me on. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tigers in 20 Off the Boards. If you enjoyed this interview, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 